Good morning. Glad you have all joined us this morning. I'm uh, excited to be up here again um, sharing God's word with you this morning. As Grady was reaching out that prayer, I just, man, it's just so much, is it not? It's almost to the extent that it's overwhelming, but um, I'm thinking that the passage that we're in today provides an amazing amount I can't even really describe the word other than just coming up with the idea of just hope. Um, peace and comfort and joy. And these things as these ministry partners, are, ministry partners of ours are uh, doing what they do. Uh, Gabe and Connie, as they're going through, as you, as everything you guys are going through. This, this passage that we're in today, I think, uh, should echo into our hearts. I mean, deeply, to be honest with you. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start us off in prayer again, but um, yeah, just let's, let's just pray again. I'm going to pray for the word that we have today. Father, I uh, just come before you and I ask that uh, your word is just piercing this morning, that it pierces our heart, it provides us with hope and joy and peace and comfort, um, that we are edified and we grow in a relationship with you as a result of this word, as a result of what your son has done for us. We hope that through this you are honored and you are glorified. We thank you for the opportunity to, don't thank you, Father, we praise you for this opportunity to come together. There's so few people or so many people are, are unable to right now. So I ask that this word, just your word, Pierce our hearts and give us joy and peace and comfort in this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, let me go ahead and start with the passage. We're in Luke 23 today. We've been kind of progressing through that for the last couple of weeks. We're going to be starting in verse 34, kind of where we left off, of course. Uh, if for any reason you don't have a Bible today, feel free. There's some on the back table right there. Go ahead and grab one. They're a free gift. If you maybe left yours at home, as I mentioned last week, go ahead, feel comfortable, grab one, borrow it, use it today, and then go ahead and put it back. Let me go ahead and read the passage that we're in today. Again, Luke 23, starting in verse 34. And Jesus, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching. But the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. That's the passage that we're in today. At the end of my message last week, maybe you remember, maybe you don't. I'm probably like a lot of you guys. Somebody will, you know, Grady will be sharing and Somebody asked me a question from the message or something, and I'll struggle to remember something. But at the end of my message, I made a pretty simple statement of truth. I believe it to be truth. Jesus carried what we could not carry, and he forgave so that we could be forgiven. That's pretty simple. And that's where I would like to pick up today and go deeper. Forgiveness, it's a special thing. Forgiveness is what is a free gift, and it's what makes it possible for us to actually have a relationship with God. It is a gift that we don't know that we need, 
and that we don't believe that we even deserve. Now, I want us to have in our minds and in our hearts the right context, the right picture of what Jesus went through, what he was going through when he spoke these words, and why this prayer that we're looking at today, these words that we see in verse 34 are so amazing and they are so powerful. Now, first, before we go there, before we get to this forgiveness, let's take a look at the last couple of verses. And the reason why I want to do that is because I think we've been traversing through that already. So these last couple of weeks that we've looked at. If you will recall, some of the things that we have heard in our last few messages on Sundays uh, is how the religious leaders mocked Jesus. They reviled, they attacked, and they did not stop once they got to Calvary. It continued. You see, it wasn't enough for them to just charge and convict and sentence and persecute, crucify an innocent man. They wanted to lead him all the way to his last breath. And we see in verse 35, they're there, right? The ruler scoffed at him, saying, he saved others, let him save himself. They're scoffing at him. They're mocking him continuously as others just onlook and just watch. In verse 34, we see it, or 36, forgive me, we see it again. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, saying, if you were the king of Jews, save yourself. They continue their mocking. They all tragically miss it. They miss the whole point of what Jesus was doing, why he was here. We see in verse 38, there was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. And we get that. This idea, even the religious leaders weren't happy with that inscription. It wasn't enough to have that part of mocking. They wanted it to actually read, he said he was. Pilate said, it says what it says. That's enough. But it's still just mocking. Pilate and the Romans had no intention of giving him honor, giving honor or decency to an innocent dying man. The religious leaders had no intention of giving honor or decency to an uh, innocent dying man. There was no intent Their intent was to lower Jesus, humiliate him, discredit him, so that they could keep doing what they were doing. Keep what they had. Keep their position. We talked about this last week. The religious leaders, the Romans, the multitudes, and they are all sinners, and it's easy to see. But we are no less guilty in the eyes of God as they are. It's only possible for us to stand because of how Jesus lived, his death, and the words that he spoke on the cross. We can live, we can be justified, and we can be reconciled, but only because Jesus made it possible. So does this truly sink in for us? The depth of what Jesus did for us. And honestly, is it more than just words that we speak? Is it more than just these anthems and the songs that that we sing? Is it more than that? forgiveness. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So let me go into that. That's where I want to focus today. I think it's really crucial in our walk with Christ, understanding Christ, coming to Christ. So let me try and give us a deeper understanding, a really kind of cut to the heart, piercing cut to the heart understanding of all that happened and what Jesus suffered and what he endured. So let's think about this. What did you imagine when you read about the crucifixion? This entire time as we've been going through this, as you read on your own, hopefully, what did you imagine? Or when you think about it, 
What did you think about? How did it come to your, your mind? What do you see? What does your mind imagine? Does it imagine the hours of trials that Jesus was put through? Jesus was arrested at night, and he was taken and he was questioned all night, tried for crimes that he did not commit. He was spat on. He was beaten. He was abandoned. This went on for a very, very long period of time. He was under physical and mental distress that went on for well over 12 hours. Or do we just pass over these parts, thinking that it was probably just this quick little two-hour little gap, and then they threw him in a cell, and he waited there until they just brought him before Pilate. Now we know that Jesus was beaten by the Romans. He was scored. But do we pass over that pain, the suffering that he truly endured? I mean, think about it. Do we just kind of quickly go over it? Jewish law would permit somebody to be uh, whipped 39 times. And the Romans used what was called a flagrum. It's this really small whip. And its design, its function was to cause maximum damage, maximum cuts, blood loss with every single swing. I want you to start picturing this in your head. Each blow, one after another one, causing deeper cuts, deeper wounds, more blood, unimaginable pain with every single blow after blow after blow on top of cut after cut. Or do you just pass over these parts? Do we just kind of skip right through it? Jesus, uh, these moments, do we just skip straight over to the cross where Jesus is maybe slightly bruised, He's pretty clean, though, and he's hanging there on the cross, ready and willing and able to take our sins onto himself. We know he carried his own cross to Golgotha, the place of skulls or Calvary, but do we just see those few brief steps, or do we really feel the weight of those, those, or those steps? We talked about as he traversed these city streets last week, but this is over 600 yards, potentially 600 yards, of torment, ridicule, pain, shallowing breath with every painful step. And do we feel the weight of the cross bearing down on his cut and bruised body? We know that he hung there on the cross for hours but before, before he died. But do we really count those hours? Do we really feel the weight of those hours and the minutes and the seconds that Jesus hung there. Do we really feel that? As he hung there being mocked, treated like a criminal, though he had done nothing, he was innocent, totally sinless, committed no crime. He's abandoned and alone. Do you see in your mind and your heart what Jesus really endured? Now, I've got to be honest with you. This is pretty harsh to hear. Um, for those of you that have ever seen The Passion of the Christ, you can recall the end of that, and it's tough to watch. And I'm not trying to make you feel some sort of heavy, bummering guilt. I'm not. That is not my goal here. My desire is just for us to know and to weigh. And why is knowing so important? It's because it is during all of this, at the height of the pain and the suffering that Jesus was enduring before and while he was on that cross, that he spoke those words and that prayer that we see in verse 34. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How incredible are these words? How powerful a prayer that is thrown up on our behalf. Jesus could have said 
anything, prayed for anything, what would you have prayed for? Maybe you can start thinking about the time, the last time you were in a struggle, maybe some deep suffering. Think about you, what you were praying for at that moment. Maybe there was conflict between people. He could have prayed and asked God to just end it. That's just too much. I came here to help them. I healed. I showed them your nature, God. I showed them love. And they returned me with pain and suffering. They put me on this cross to die. Just bring me home. But he didn't. He could have prayed for the pain to just decrease or lighten up just a little bit. So it could be just easier. But he didn't. He could have prayed for anything, anything to make it easier on himself, but he didn't. Jesus prayed to the Father on someone else's behalf, a plea for forgiveness for what they had done. The wrong, the sin that was committed. Jesus is thinking of others and not himself. You'll remember last week when we were talking about that. Jesus stops, well, doesn't stop, but he addresses the crowd. And he doesn't address the crowd so that he can attack or say something against them. He does it so that he can warn them. He thinks of them first. Jesus sets his suffering aside, and his concern is for others, for their suffering, and not for himself. This is the heart of Jesus. I mean, it truly is. And this is how he loves. It is absolutely incomprehensible. And if you can comprehend it, man, you are way better and way ahead of the game than I am. And I would love to share your thoughts on it. In these moments, with his dying breath, he loves and blesses broken, fallen, sinful humanity, extending forgiveness to his enemies. And we see it in Philippians 2. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, this was done for others. Jesus came to take the ugliness and sin and wrath onto himself to serve. His love so great that it bears the sin of the world and the wrath of God and it conquers death and it brings reconciliation. A love that is not just for us, but a love that's for the Father as well. And we see this love for us, and it's clear, but just don't miss this love that he has for the Father. Jesus is praying, and we can see the love for the Father in this prayer. Read the words we see here. Father, forgive them. First, understand this. If the sin isn't against God then why is he the one that needs to be, or the one that needs to extend forgiveness? Because all sin is against God. And Jesus recognizes this. The sin is against the Father, and his heart breaks because of what they have done, not because of what they have done to him, but because of what they have done to God. I mean, think about this. Shouldn't our heart break, not because somebody wronged us, but because they wronged God? The sin is against the Father, against God, creator of all things. These things that we find so beautiful every day, that we enjoy every single day. 
David saw this as well. When David was confronted by Nathan, you'll remember that David sinned. He took another man's wife, and to cover that whole thing up, he had that man brought to a front line where he knew he would be killed. Nathan is sent by God to confront, to reveal this to David. And we see David's repentance, his sorrow just pour out in Psalm 51. And just in in verse 4, he says, Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Jesus, in his last moments, at the height of his pain and suffering, sees all of the offense, all of the sin that is against the Father, and knows the ones that have sinned stand condemned. And he intercedes. He steps in. He prays for their forgiveness, and he pays the cost. He feels the pain. He dies the death that is owed for that forgiveness, even though they know not what they do. Now, who is Jesus praying for? Who is Jesus showering with this amazing, impossible, unimaginable, merciful gift? Who is Jesus forgiving? Them. So who is them? So we can look at the possibilities. We can look and say the soldiers, those are possibilities. They beat him. They mocked him. They drove nails into his hands and feet. Now, I imagine after brutality like that, that they would inflict they're surely in need of forgiveness. And Pilate, who believing that Jesus was an innocent man, still condemned him just so that he could keep the peace, keep the things that he wanted. So somebody that would care so little of another human being just so he could keep what he wanted surely would be in need of forgiveness as well. The religious leaders that spent so much time and effort, and let's be honest, deceit, just so that they could keep the authority and the position that they had in their life. They made sure that an innocent man was arrested, persecuted, and crucified just so that they could keep what they wanted. Surely they're in need of forgiveness as well, right? So, or is it just possible that it's all of them? It's all of us. Them, you, me, everyone. Remember what I said at the beginning of the message, Are we all not just as guilty as them? Like the mourners and the multitudes, the indifferent? A person's occasional adherence to the worship of the creator of all things or the words, I am a Christian, do not put you in a better standing or give you an ability to stand in front of a holy and just God. Our world and our country our lives, and even our church, they all possess some measure, some degree of sin. We have idolatry. If you don't think you do, or we do, sorry, look at our homes and our TVs and our cars and our jobs and everything between all of that. I'm not going to exclude anything. Think about how we are. How often have we missed time with God because we needed to work extra hours because we bought something we really didn't need? How often have we thought it was probably better to spend time with our family, which isn't a bad thing, but we're watching this TV program or something like that instead of going to that Bible study? 
I want you guys to understand something. It's not just a Bible study where you're looking at God's Word or something like that. And it's not just fellowship. Today is not just about fellowship and listening to songs. It's about being with God and being in relationship with God right now. And when we're not doing that, you're giving that up for something else. So really what it boils down to, idolatry, are we putting something in our lives before we are putting God? It's really that simple. So I don't want to sit there and come up with a bunch of specific things so somebody could sit there and say, well, it excludes me because I don't have a TV. Don't think that. We have sexual immorality. Pornography runs rampant in our society. And make no mistake, it's in church as well. It's in these walls. The divorce rate due to infidelity is like 30%. That doesn't mean out there. It means in here as well. We live in a country that finds this one I found mind-numbing. We live in a country that actually finds it more personal, personal and intimate to meet the parents of the person they're dating than it is to have sex with them. This one bothers me as well. 20 to 30 percent of couples admit to having an emotional relationship with somebody other than their spouse. And you're probably thinking, well, what's wrong with that? I don't know about you, but when I was married to my wife, I gave her everything. And the 20 some years that we've been together, I have given her every part of that. And to give that to anybody else is wrong. There's no way out of it. There's no wiggle room here. And sometimes, man, even our good deeds. I have been caught on this one a couple of times. Even our good deeds betray us because sometimes we do them just to feel good or for somebody to notice us. And that's the sin of pride. I've wrestled with it. We are in that group is what I'm trying to get us to. We are all in there. We need his forgiveness because we are unrighteous. And I love Paul. The Apostle Paul, he puts something sometimes so simple. Not everything, but this he did. Because he didn't want us to mess this one up, I guess. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. And for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So Jesus is not singling out any one group or person, but he is including everyone. It is clear to see that the sin of the, it's clear to see the sin of the soldier and Pilate and the religious leaders, but we are also included in that. Jesus, Jesus was put on the cross with our sin as well, and we too need forgiveness. If you don't know that forgiveness yet, I beg you, I beg you to keep listening. I beg you to read. I beg you to get with somebody so that they can show you this show you this joy and this peace and this comfort, this release that can happen. Understand this. Jesus willingly went to the cross for you so that we could have a gift that we could not earn ourselves and did not know that we even needed it until it was given. And understanding this is crucial to understanding the words and the prayer that Jesus spoke in those moments on that cross. Jesus only said seven things when he was up on that cross. Seven things, and man, they're all important. But today, let's understand the words that he spoke first. While he hung there, after the mental and physical suffering that he went through, after the abandonment and ridicule that he endured, ten words that he spoke. 
and they were powerful, and they are loving, and they are condemning. We are guilty. And he loves us. This is the beautiful part. Don't miss it. He loves us, and he intercedes because we are in desperate need of his forgiveness, though we do not know it. Jesus' suffering, his sacrifice, opens the door for anyone, for all to walk in and receive forgiveness. And we can see this in Scripture as well. This is in 1 Peter. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Once for the unrighteous. You remember what Paul said. Not one is righteous. The world and everyone in it, we all were or are unrighteous. We can also see this in 1 John. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not just for our sins, but the sins of the whole world. My friends, past, present, future, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was sufficient for all and for all time. Now, but before we go thinking that that's it, there's nothing else, we're good, there's nothing for me to do here, there is a condition. Now, also, before we go thinking, well, now you're talking about works or something like that, I am not. I'm not saying Jesus and something else. But there is a condition, and I think you need to understand that. It says you must repent and believe. Jesus' own words, go and sin no more. Acknowledge your sin. Admit that you've wronged a holy and just God. Repent and believe in the name by which salvation comes. Jesus. Look at what he's done for you. Look at what he's gone through. Turn from your sin. Run towards the Father. Now I imagine, I imagine that we're going to slip and fall many, many times on this. But we will get back up by the strength that you have in Jesus. And we will run towards the Father. We will continue on that. So here's the good question. Is how do we know this? How do we know that we need to be forgiven, though? I mentioned earlier that we don't know. So how do we know? We don't. God does. Knowing that we have sinned and that there is a price and a cost for that sin is revealed to us by God. So remember, we are sinners, right? And one of our deepest sins, I believe like really, really deep, really hard to pull out, is the sin of ourselves. The sin of self. It is all about me, and I am not willing to admit anything that I've ever done wrong, not if I can just pass over it, not if I can cover it up or ignore it or push it behind me. But we will come face to face with it because God will reveal it to us through his wisdom and his spirit. We see this in a part of Corinthians says here, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. This hidden wisdom is quite simply Jesus. And all that he offers, forgiveness is part of that. And as we continue, or as this part continues in in 1 Corinthians, it says, now we have received not 
the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand these things freely given us by God. Was there a cost? Yes, but we didn't pay it. It was freely given us. He did all of this and gave it to us free after he paid our debt. It was given to the thief on the cross when what he had done and who he had done it to was revealed to him. You remember, he confessed not just his sin, but Jesus Lord. He confesses his sin, and then he confesses that Jesus is his Lord. The thief, rebuking the other thief, says, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly? The thief acknowledges his sin. He said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He sees Jesus as Lord, and he humbly humbly asks Jesus to remember him. Jesus simply just sits there and says, Today you will be with me in paradise. Can you imagine the feeling that man had? Feelings of overwhelming joy and relief, peace and love. The thief, remember this, had no reason to think that Jesus would forgive him. After all, he was not one of the ones who put Jesus on trial. He was not one of the ones that mocked and beat Jesus. He was not one of the ones that nailed Jesus to the cross. But he was one who sinned. He knew what he had done and who he had done it to. The thief confessed and then trusted in a holy and just God to forgive him. God is faithful and he will forgive us. It says in 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. He bore our sins and he died our death that we deserved so that we may be able to receive forgiveness that we didn't know we needed and we didn't even know we deserved and don't deserve. God forgives our sins because of what Jesus endured for us. What he endured for us. So do we really forgiveness? Do we really understand the meaning of the word? Do we understand the depth of what is offered? Because this is truly important. Jesus was arrested and he was mocked and he was crucified and he was separated from the Father. And he suffered greatly so that we could have this. We could have forgiveness. Once given this forgiveness, it's absolutely total. This, I guess, is where we struggle sometimes. But it's absolute. It's complete. The reason for the forgiveness ceases to be. It's done. Let me try and explain it a different way. The offense or the wrong that created the need for the forgiveness to be extended no longer exists in the eyes and the heart of the one who has given the forgiveness. God sees our sin no more. And instead, he sees the righteousness of the Son, the perfection of Jesus. It's not like being at that family reunion or seeing that old friend from a long time ago where they drudge up all these things that you've done wrong. You did this and you did that. And it just never seems to go away. Many people in this world will bring things up and hold them against us. But he does not nor should we. 
Jesus suffered, he was crucified, died, and rose three days later, conquering death so that we could be reconciled to God, so that we could have a relationship with the Father that begins with God forgiving our sins as a direct result of what Jesus did on that cross. Jesus' love for the Father and his love for us is stronger than anything else that you would ever encounter or could possibly even imagine. I want you to understand something. Nails did not hold Jesus to that cross. His love, his perfect love for the Father and for us is what held him on that cross. And to the extent and depth that you know that, to the depth that you know that, you've been forgiven by God. To that extent and depth, you will be able to forgive others. So let me try and do that one more time. To the extent and depth that you know you were forgiven by God, to that extent and depth, you will be able to forgive others. And as followers of Jesus, we are called to forgive. Matthew 6, right? For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Remember I asked you earlier, if you were on that cross, what would you have prayed for? If you were wrong, what would your reaction be? And let's be perfectly honest here. We've all been wronged. We've all been hurt, be it physically or emotionally. We've all had some sort of impact that somebody came along and did to us, man. We all have emotional wreckage, every one of us. And when it happens, do our thoughts go to forgiveness? Do you say, I want to offer you what Jesus offered me? I really do. I want you, I want to offer you what I had, what I was given, what I would want if I was in your place. Or do you think, do we think, no way, man. I'm sorry, you've crossed a certain line and I just can't go past that. I, I just can't. I can't do it. Or maybe you can forgive, but it's just going to take you some time. You need to be mad for a little bit of Maybe you want them to feel a little bit of hurt before you forgive. We struggle with this, I know. I have. And we often don't get it right. But our direction and our stride and our goal should always be towards forgiveness. And when we fall short and miss that mark, Jesus is there with us. He is lifting us up and he is being our example. That's where we find our strength. You see, that is why Jesus came. He came to do what we could not do ourselves, to stand on our behalf, to intercede for us. For us to find the strength to forgive, we must look to the cross. We must look to Jesus because that's where our strength lies and that's where our example is. If you're trying to pull it out, what's that old saying? I'm going to pull it up from the bootstraps. It's not going to happen. Friends, when we need, read the words that Jesus said, if anyone would follow me, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would be my disciple, you must deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. What do you believe that to mean? Deny yourself and follow the example that Jesus set. Forgive others as he forgave you. I don't think that anyone has been ever put through 
the depths of suffering that Jesus has and remember his response. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. When we look to the cross, we see the cost of our forgiveness. When we pick up our cross, we pick it up knowing the cost of our sin. Our debt has been paid by another. And when we are wronged by others, that is all we should see. Our heart should only know what was done for us, and we should desire to do the same for others. So again, to the extent and depth that you know that you have been forgiven by God is the extent and depth that you will be able to forgive others. God sent his one and only son to bear the sins of the world. We could not reach him, so he humbled himself and became man to pay the cost of our sins. Jesus never sinned. Jesus loved, he healed, shared, and taught God's commandments. He taught his word. He showed us his nature. How incredible the lengths our God went to show his love, to bring us back into relationship with him, to reconcile us. Think about it. We were given breath by a loving creator, And with that breath, we curse and sin against that same one true faithful God who gave it to us. And instead of him erasing us and getting rid of us and saying, look, it's over, he chooses to erase our sin and our wrong. What mercy and what grace, what love. I mean, I want to share a last few thoughts with you. Sometimes my last few thoughts go on long, so bear with me. But at the beginning of this message, I used words to describe the hours that led up to the crucifixion of Jesus and the crucifixion of Jesus. But no matter how hard I would try to do this, to describe it, they would just fall short. I mean, I don't think anybody could really give it what it entails. Jesus was put on trial for the things that he did not do. He was spat on, he was mocked, he was hit, he was abandoned. Jesus was beaten to the point of unimaginable pain and then forced to carry the weight of the tool that he would be killed on. And that is only the beginning. It was only the physical suffering that Jesus went through. For the prayer, for these words that Jesus spoke to be answered, It would mean that the full weight of God's wrath for sin would be placed on him. Jesus became what God, his Father, could not even look upon. Jesus would suffer the separation from the Father that he loves. Jesus would suffer physically, but that pales in comparison. It is light years away from the suffering that he would go through, being separated from God the Father. I mean, if you want to give yourself a migraine, think about that for a while. The separation. If you want to know the depths of the Son's love for God, you only have to look to the cross. If you want to know the depth of God's love for us, you only have to look to the cross. Knowing all that he would endure, Jesus still, with all of his heart, spoke that prayer. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus' prayer is answered, and he bears the crushing weight of man's sin and God's wrath. Forgiveness is given to all who would repent and believe in the name of Jesus. 
and to the extent and depth that you know and understand what Jesus endured and the prayer he spoke, to that extent you will know God's forgiveness. And to that depth you will know God's love and Jesus' love, a love that was poured out on that cross for you and for me and for everyone. What Jesus endures and his death on that cross demonstrates the hate and condemnation that he has for the sinner, but at the same time shows that incomprehensible mercy, love, and grace that he has for the sinner, for us. I said we were no different than those who drove and participated in the persecution and brutal death of an innocent man, Jesus. But we became different. Because we were given eyes to see the truth. The truth of who he is and why he came. The truth of our sin. We are different because in those moments we were confronted by the truth of our brokenness and our sin. And when we saw that truth of who and what we have wronged and who we sinned against, in those moments things changed. We changed forever. In those moments, all of what Jesus had done for us was made vividly clear, and we repent and turn to a loving, just God. Do you know what he endured? Do you see the depth of the words that Jesus spoke? Do you know his words of love, mercy, and grace? Do you share his words with others who need to hear them, desperately need to hear them? Do you offer that same forgiveness that Jesus offered you? We were met and we shared a moment with the Son of God and it changed us forever. Do you remember that moment? And do you help others into that moment? It is in those moments when we are overwhelmed with the feelings of relief and joy and peace and love because in those moments, we are forgiven. Of all that we have done, we are forgiven. In those moments, we begin to share and grow in that incomprehensible love, mercy, and grace of forgiveness that is just freely given to us by a loving Creator. Let me pray. Father, we... Hmm. We thank you for that forgiveness, Father, that we don't deserve it. We praise you for all that you have done and all that you do, even though we don't know it. I ask that you just reach down into the hearts of the people that are here and reach down into the hearts of the people that they will touch throughout this week and throughout their months and throughout their lives, that people will just be impacted by that forgiveness, that love, that mercy, that grace. And that they will repent, Father, that they will see that wrong, that you will reveal that to them, and that they will come through your loving embrace, that they will fall at the feet of your Son and accept that forgiveness, Father. We praise you for all that you are. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to be here with you, to have this time to be in relationship with you, I pray that all here just feel that presence, that they feel that love that you have for them, feel that weight of that love. 
We thank you, Father, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.